Welcome to episode 129 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. I'm Ty, and you can find me on Twitter being good enough at SEATJK, and with me as always is Chris. Where can we find you posting that rich stuff, Chris? <laughs> you can find me at CD Villasenor on Twitter, uh, but I don't know if I'm post- posting rich stuff, am I? I don't know, but uh, for what we're going to talk about, that is maybe one of the phrases that bugs me the most throughout the film. <laughs> So for those of you who are familiar, you probably know that we're going to talk about Goonies tonight. So it's either going to be something special for you, or decidedly not, as we're going to bring back the two-on-three Good Better How movie breakdown, but for an oldie this time. Um, Now this is where I planned to tell you originally that we were going to do a bit of a reverse rewatchables, if you're familiar with that Ringer podcast uh, about old movies, and sort of ruin your nostalgia by telling you how actually Goonies is bad. But I'm not sure ultimately that's how things worked out. Uh, But we'll start with what works, as usual. We'll move on to what could be better. And we'll wrap up by talking about how to make it so. Beyond the buzzer, we'll pause for Jawa before heading to the OT for some thoughts on political consumerism. Interact with the show on Twitter at 2on3pod, or hit us up via email at at 2on3pod.com. You know how much we love to hear from you. But before we dive into the movie, when I originally pitched this to you, Chris, it was because I've had actually Goonies is bad as an opinion for at least the last nine months or so, when... I watched it with my kids for the first time um, last fall. But I found that after my rewatch for this, in preparation for this, what we're doing here, that with with this idea in my head already that it was in fact terrible, I ended up coming to a bit of a different conclusion. And and I I, I settled on surprisingly passable. Maybe (laughs) maybe two and a half stars. Yeah. Surprisingly passable. Well, that is faint praise. (laughs) No question about it. But, what about uh, you? How did you feel about it? When's the last, well, first of all, when's the last time you watched this movie before I asked you to watch it for this purpose? I probably haven't watched this movie in at least 10 years. Okay. I mean, I haven't watched it with my kids. I never I never introduced it to them. Um, it doesn't get... I know. It doesn't get a ton of play. It shows up here and there, like on sci-fi or something like that. I mean, it, does, it doesn't... It, it's not in like heavy... Any sort of heavy rotation. In fact, it was a little tricky to find just to... I mean, I had to go to HBO Max. Luckily, I'm an HBO subscriber. So I was able to I was able to sort of dig it up to watch it. Because I don't know how I would have watched it otherwise. Yeah, I still had it on the v, uh, the DVR from last August. Uh-huh. I just never deleted it. Because I was okay. like, yeah, we'll probably watch this again sometime. It wasn't the worst experience of my life. But I will say, having watched it last August, I really was like, wow, this movie sucks. Like, sucks, capital S. And I know there's probably people listening right now and it, especially if they're about my age or maybe two or three years older, hearing that is like really upsetting to them. Like they're feeling very triggered right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the age has a lot to do with this For because sure. uh, the Goonies is 1985, and that was probably summer of 85. So I'm probably I'm a, I'm firmly in high school at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a little bit young for you even. So it's um I mean we only had one theater in our town that had like like a double, like a twin cinema. Like uh-huh. there was two theaters in the cinema. And so whatever, whatever movies came out, we would always just go. Okay. But you know, it, um, you know how they market these things to, to, to people. It's like Spielberg's involved and there's other things. And, and so it was, it was a movie that I think was summer, summer, summer tent Polish fun, right? It was, it, it had, it had, I think it had a lot of marketing push behind it. Well, it's funny you say that, because one, we have like sort of a superstar triumvirate of production here, right? We've got uh, story by Spielberg, screenplay by Chris Columbus, directed by Richard Donner. Right. 
there's a lot of and and they were certainly not lacking in budget. No. And although it doesn't look great <laughs> much of the time, which is one of my problems, but we'll get there. Um, you know, this is this movie is ostensibly made for children. Like there's not really any adult the adult characters are, are only antagonists. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, there's no positive adult in the, unless you count Josh Brolin's sort of high school junior or whatever. Yeah. Sophomore slash junior that can't get a driver's license. It's a key plot point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has to be, right? Because it's corny and sort of ridiculous to kind of an insane degree at certain times. Uh, but in a way that a lot of 80s movies are like that. Uh, but there is a lot. And I mean a lot. Like, a lot of gratuitous swearing in the first, like, ten minutes alone. <laughs> and, like, right. the, go ahead. Are we doing the show? No, well, I just, I mean, this is the setup. This, I'm giving initial impressions. We're not, Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Uh, so, and if, if we need to return to this to talk about it in more depth, that's fine. Okay. But I'm just saying initial impressions here. We'll, we'll get into it in just a moment. But uh, the last thing I was going to say about that is that the violence threatened against children in this movie includes actual gunfire. Like, mm-hmm. adults shooting guns at children. Oh, with yes. intent to, with, with malice intent. <laughs> and a, a near maiming when they threaten to stick Chunk's hand in the blender. Yes, well, I mean, it's a, it's a different time and place. Is it, though? Because I'm super comfortable with profanity at this point. Like, my, my our, our, you know, I think I might have told the story on the show already, but uh, our older daughter came in the house and said, hey, my little sister called me an asshole. And my response was, well, were you being an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> Fair question. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think when uh, they instituted PG-13 because there was always this, there's a weird gap in the world mm-hmm. where... There are rated R movies. You're like, that's a rated R movie? Right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that was before PG-13. Oh, I get it now. And right. like, this is like a PG that probably should have been a PG-13. But was, I didn't know, I don't know if PG-13 existed at this time. It's, so yeah. there's like a weird, there's like a weird gap. I don't know where the, when they instituted that. But um, other yes. than people saying shit a whole bunch, it really yeah. isn't. A, and, and again, the gunplay. <laughs> that's con- it's concerning. Right. But with that, why don't we get started with the show? All right, so in segment number one, we always talk about what we liked. So first for me, um, and this is probably an obvious choice for me, the music. I love 80s music. The 80s wonder music. The doo-doo-doo-doo. Sure. They're, they're finding the map. Um, I like the Cindy Lauper. Uh, I, I think it's one of those things that where the nostalgia isn't really sullied by the passage of time. It actually increases. It grows. Uh, because, you know, I mean, uh, music is one of the things most tied to memory. So it gives you that good feeling, the way you felt the first time, in a way that maybe rewatching the movie doesn't even accomplish. Got it. Got it. My really, what what stands out as good right off the bat is the casting of this movie. Like, how many good <laughs> actors could? I mean, obviously, again, this it comes back to the budget and the people who are involved in it. Sure. So they got people who not only had careers up to this point, but had, but then a lot of these actors had great careers afterward i mean i mean you're right it's uh you know josh brolin is thanos for god's sake I mean, it's like, <laughs> he's made he's made billions of dollars and sean astin's had a huge career i mean just he's been all he's been working all along mm-hmm. but everybody i think everybody is game for this performance i think that's what i really like about the movie is that the performances are i think are all really good everybody's into it yes and 
and and it gives everybody a chance to chew up some scenery, like especially the Fratellis. The Fratellis are all turned up to eleven, and they're hu- they're hilarious. I really like them. I like yeah. the Fratellis. So I had acting, casting, and just everybody going for it on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, and then very specifically, I had Joey Pants and Robert Davi doing sort of a great kind of proto Wet Bandits deal. Yes. <laughs> And this is a. I, I was going to come back to this maybe later on, but it, it, Christopher Columbus completely, completely recycles a lot of this, right? I mean, they are the Wet Bandits, pretty much, right? Maybe the first time he scripted the Wet Bandits is really these two guys, and then of course they show up later again, and and there's that same sort of slapstickiness that happens. Um, you know, Joey Pants gets gets the gets the fake teeth to the crotch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a they the kids kind of take it out on him and it, and it's really funny and effective and then he just and then when he when he gets home alone, Chris Columbus just turns it up to 11, right? He just it's the same deal. It's these kids, right? And these two these criminals and the kids get the better of the criminals. Right, when he's when when Data's setting the 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 booty traps. Yes. He likes the that's firecrackers. What I, that, yeah. bo- uh, booby traps. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Booty traps. <laughs> But yeah, the slick shoes on the log, they both get the strong nut shot. Yes. And that's like three quarters of the way into the movie. So the, the tone right. really hasn't been there for that at all. No. no. <laughs> yeah, it, it, they, they find something. They find something once they get into the cave. Like there's a whole... Once the, once the pursuit happens, mm-hmm. like it does, it does tend to... It, 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 it makes a, I think it makes an effective turn into a little more comedy. Yeah, and I think that it's it's interesting too because them they as villains are sort of objectively evil. Oh yeah, like they, they, they murder at least two people that we're aware of. Right, and they seem willing to kill the children as well. <laughs> oh yes, uh, but it's also sort of hard not to root for them a little. Yeah, well, like, you, I, I don't. I mean, not Moffat tells she's the evil one, right? But the guy, they're just sort of hapless turds. <laughs> <laughs> She's the she's the uh, she's the the brains of the operation, and the and the other two guys are just uh, they're just the the dumb sons who yes. just happen to be their mom forced them into a life of crime. Or at the end, where they're negotiating with Sloth. Yeah. And you, you, how about we're gonna get your your teeth fixed? We spent the money on Francis' hairpiece. <laughs> or Francis' toupees. I, I screams, right. I do not wear a hairpiece. And then obviously in the fist fight it is revealed that he is in fact wearing a hairpiece of course of yes. course yeah so that that is a funny thing where yeah they they go from menacing to this whole comic thing but i think it works it works for me it works as a kids movie which you're right the the first act is the first act is they're 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 way beyond menacing well the first act is like is so the first 10 minutes like no, going back well, the, the escape scene one I mean the man must be extremely strong he can knock a guard out with an, a, a two-handed uppercut of some sure. sort mm. uh, shouldn't be able to really do that I don't think yeah well it's the movies uh, people get knocked out by punches in the movies all the time it's true uh, I think that uh, what I liked about this movie in general was that, that there's a lot of really good visual storytelling um, even though I think it's disjointed. Uh, and I don't want to. I don't want to step on segment two, but like for instance, they use the opening car chase right to do like the opening credits. Like so, they mm-hmm. do the the kind of cold open with the escape, and then the car chase like introduces you to the cast. Yeah, the car chase is going on in the background while you get to meet all the different characters in the movie. Right. Um, I did want to mention though during that, there's no explanation at any point for why Martha Plimpton is inexplicably going like full upper body in a water tank to fish out some sort of a crab, which she then just <laughs> drops on the ground, and it's never addressed in any way. Like, she's just got her whole head in a tank so she, she can stand up when the cars go by. She's a bit of a tomboy. 
What is she? Maybe. What's she doing? I don't know. We no one knows. They they live in a seaside. They live in seaside town in Oregon. Uh, but speaking of the, uh, we'll continue to call them the what, which, the, the fret bandits. No, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, a lot of the visual jokes work, like in that escape scene um, when the the back door of the car is locked, so you can't get in it. Yeah. They're trying to get away. That's right. just, it's a great moment. Um, I like a lot of just the the jokes. Obviously, the Michelangelo statue, your mom's favorite piece. Or that's my mom's favorite piece. Yes, the the the, <laughs> the yes the the whole gluing the dick back on is <laughs> pretty down. funny. It's yeah. pretty funny. It's pretty funny. You're pissing in your eyes. I as a chi- as a younger man, as a younger man, as a child, I recall really enjoying the, the dick humor and right at the beginning of Goonies. Yeah, and the uh, and then there's like this throwaway Gremlins joke. Oh yeah, I have that on my list too. Yeah, <laughs> the throwaway Gremlins joke is pretty funny. Yeah, maybe, when when Chunk tries to uh, call the cops to report that he knows where the Fratellis are and the cop isn't taking him seriously. Right. Lawrence, like, is this like the time you called me about the animals that were reproducing when you got water on them? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of good one-liners. Um, the only thing we serve is tongue is a good one. Yes. And then yes. she pulls out the switchblade, which right. that was the moment where I was watching with my kids and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, honestly, the dead body in the freezer with the bullet hole is pretty intense for the first it's, act. It's a stiff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ch- all the chunks, like desperate line deliveries are hilarious he's 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 very entertaining throughout i never get i don't get i shockingly don't get tired of him sort of like just sort of whining and crying like no and he rolls with it too like he's really taking like a beating from his supposed friends throughout the movie they really like are really mean to him the whole time Yeah. yeah there's that there's the part where chunk is like he gets to the road and the car stops for him and he's explaining the whole thing and it yeah. turns out he's explaining the fact that he knows the Fratellis to the Fratellis themselves. Yes. yes. That scene is just funny. That every this that whole line delivery is just just great. Well, even when he jumps out in the street and oh stop, stop, I'm just a kid. <laughs> what does that have to do with it? Just in the road. <laughs> um what else I like? Oh the sight gag of uh during the Shaking the pipes, like very, very Caddyshack esque situation with the with the plumbing here in this Astoria, Oregon. Right, um, right. But there's all the pipes, you know, they're shaking the pipes and it's jacking up all the pipes in the town, and specifically at the country club, which is the the main antagonist that, you, well, outside of the Fratellis, uh, that, that kind of is our impetus for all these events. Um, for those that don't know the plot, uh, the the idea is that the this, this, these terrible country club people are going to have foreclosed on all these homes. They're going to tear them all down, force them out of their homes so they can expand the country club. Right. And, you know, I'm all for it, to be honest <laughs> with you. I mean, I've, I've played Bandon. It's lo- that's, that's great. I mean, where they live is terrific, is a terrific place for a golf course. Okay. I'm not going to lie. Well, maybe you, you'd be friends with the country club guy in the shower with the friggin' eye patch. <laughs> Why is that guy have an eye? He has no lines. He just says in the shower he has an eye patch. It's just a thing that is happening. It's uh, the uh, he's the um, the great 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 grandson of One Eye Willie. That was my tank on it. He he would not be up for this country club business if he knew the backstory. <laughs> uh, last thing as far as sight gags, um, I really liked like pulling the pearls out of Mouth's mouth on the ship when he's got his mouth full of jewels and he's trying to hide them. Right. Like you're gonna put you're gonna put hundreds of year old like just jewelry in your mouth to I don't it doesn't feel hygienic to me but it's a, <laughs> it's a funny it's a funny it is a funny sight gag the uh, you know what I actually like the 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 serious Corey moment in the wishing well 
Which one? The one where he says, the you know, it's like where, where they're picking up all the money. Oh, yeah. And, this is and my, she this says, is and, then, yeah. and then Plimpton, and then Plimpton says, you can't pick these up because these are, these are people's wishes. Mm-hmm. And then and then Corey gives us like thirty seconds of actual like seriousness, and yes. he's actually he's actually a pretty good actor. Yeah, yeah. No, he was already good. I mean, he, he, yeah. he, If he hadn't gotten weird, he probably would have had a really good career. Yeah, he just he just screwed up, right? He just like you know, whatever. I also enjoyed even after the Fratellis have showed up on the the boat. Um, that the girls take a moment to compliment each other's jewelry choices. <laughs> it's yes. a little bit sexist, I get it, but it's it's it works. <laughs> it's funny. Um, and so we kind of got into the good jokes there. Uh, that was pretty surface level. Was there anything else positive well, that you wanted to mention before? Well, we I think that I think that I think overall from my positives, it's just that that you know this this kind of, this story gets told. It is, you know. You know, just a group of childhood friends. I mean, they reproduce this chemistry for, you know, something serious like, um, Lee, uh, what is the uh, what what's the next Stand by Me? Mm-hmm. I mean, they you know that's obviously a much more serious kind of growing up movie. Yeah. And then, but then you get something like Stranger Things, with again they reproduce this this chemistry with these like kids about that age. There's just something about like when you're 12 mm-hmm. that. Is it's like the it's like the most magical time of a kid, like a boy's certainly a boy's life, like it's like right before you discover girls and your whole life gets screwed up, like it's just <laughs> like the most important people in your life are like your buddies, yeah, and you're twelve and the world the world's there to discover. I mean, there's just like a lot of it's it's a great time, and I think that they they really do a good job of capturing it, and I think that's why. Those like something like Stranger Things, that whole twelve-year-old boy story, is like so effective because we all get it. It's like, yeah, your world is very, your world, the world is very big to you when you're twelve, and it's full of things you don't understand and don't haven't discovered yet. And 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 I think the Goonies grabs that part of it for me. And I think it and yeah, and I wasn't much. I mean, I, I guess I was. In '85, I was, you know, again, 14, probably summer, summer. I mean, not not too far away from that, so mm-hmm. it was easy to, it's easy to glom onto it. When I was watching it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember being 12. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's like the peak age where you're the star of your own show, right? Well, everyone's the star of their own life, right? You're the main character of your own life, right? Yeah. I think when you're that age, that's kind of the peak of that period of time. Yeah. Is, yeah, is I, the world seems like it seems like everything you're doing is the most important thing, and because every everything you're doing, it's like almost always the first time you're doing it. Yeah, and I grew up in a small town, and we did the same thing, and I hung out with the same group of boys, and we just like we'd hop on our bikes and we'd ride around town, and right. you know it was just it was. You would have loved to find a pirate treasure map and find shit, some yeah, secret cave. Yeah, that, that would have been that would have been great. I think I've said it on the show many times, but the the town from Stranger Things is that whole group of like four boys who play Dungeons and Dragons and ride their bikes around that yeah. that little dinky town in the in basically the early mid eighties. That was me. <laughs> but we didn't have we didn't have a psychic girl hanging around <laughs> or like or uh, portals to the portals to like some netherworld well speaking of finding secret caves and pirate treasure maps let's talk about what could have been better so in segment two i think the reason that i had such a negative reaction to this the first time i watched it again like about again almost a year ago um the setup is just amazingly sloppy um, and there's some moments that require a lot of, uh, like, an extreme level of suspension of disbelief. So if you're not bought in in the first, you know, 20 minutes, 
Um, it's really hard to go along with it. I had a much easier time doing that once I watched it again. But uh, it, I don't want to be too nitpicky about it. But I'm going to mention a couple of things, um, and then I want to <laughs> sure you do. <laughs> uh, okay, so first of all, the Fratelli's escape plan. I'm not going to get into like whether or not that was a good plan. It, it, it pulled it off. I like that she timed it with the race so that she could get away and all the other off-road vehicles. Why is their stock Jeep much faster than all of the other cars <laughs> that were there to race? A little, a little bit confusing for me as sure. an adult. Probably less of an issue if I'm a child. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to actually say that in that same scene that the cops shooting at a vehicle in a car chase through the middle of town seemed unrealistic, but, I, you know, um, <laughs> UPS might say differently. Right. Uh, anyway, that's a little it's dark. A- <laughs> It is a, I mean, again, it, the set, you're right about the setup. It's it's just sort of a, the Fratellis are in this small town jail. Right. You know, it's like, it doesn't make a ton of sense. It doesn't make a ton of sense why they're there as opposed to an actual real prison. But the whole prison break thing is, is, is goony. Like, it, it's goony. It takes the, 25 minutes, too, before you find out why, like, Mikey is upset. And then Mikey and Bran have an emotional moment, like, really there's two it happens twice in the first like we'll call it i don't know it's two scenes i guess but mikey and bran and then um and then uh, him with all the friends mm-hmm. but they have a moment where you know mikey's saying nothing happens in this town anyway and that's the first line we hear him speak and his point is he's trying to trick himself into thinking it's fine that we're moving because it sucks here right uh, but that's really unclear if you don't already know the story um, and then those guys obviously show up with the foreclosure papers, and that becomes much more clear about what's going on. They talk about it being their last weekend in town. Um, but there's so many things that happen in this in this setup scene, like the fact that Mouth shows up, right? Uh, but then literally three minutes later, Chunk shows up, but he can't get in the gate. Uh, right. There's there's logistics issues that I just couldn't get over <laughs> right off the bat. So this first time I was rewatching it a year ago, I was like, what is going on? This is such a mess. Why yeah. is Mikey's mom hiring a housekeeper when they're leaving in like 48 hours? Is this like an odd jobs lady from 1985 Craigslist? <laughs> right. right. She doesn't speak any English. So how did you hire her? <laughs> like, I don't, I, she so hired her questions. through a friend. Although the, although the mouth translating Spanish oh, yeah. piece is pretty funny. Yes. That's a, Separate that's a, the drogas. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty funny. The, um, and then the, un, the hilariously unnecessary Rube Goldberg machine that opens course, the that course. opens the gate. Yes. It's just a setup for another half dozen unnecessarily complex Rube Goldberg machines that have to go on. It's a theme. It's a theme. Yeah. And like and let me tell you, you know, One-Eyed Willie's a hell of an engineer for 1639 because he's set up he's set up some he set up some pretty amazing shit in that in that tunnel. What kind of rope was he using? How did it last for three hundred years? <laughs> three hundred fifty years. Year. Yeah, three hundred fifty years. That rope is fine. Well, speaking like, of that Rube Goldberg machine, it includes a chicken that has to lay an egg. Yes, I wrote that. I that. <laughs> the chicken has to lay an egg. So you can have one person over per day. <laughs> I don't. Know. How did Mouth get in? I I don't know. Because don't the floor closure guys can't get in the gate either. Even though it's only like a waist-high gate that you can easily reach right. over and open with your hand. Sure, you could just unlatch it, but yes. you have to wait for the bowling ball and the chicken to lay an egg and the whole, and the whole thing. But, uh, you know. And, uh, okay, so obviously I want to mention the fact that it's a 12-year-old boy's search for one-eyed Willie. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and what kind of and what kind of treasure does One Eye Willie provide you? <laughs> pearls. Yeah, pearls. A necklace, a pearl necklace, apparently that was in uh, that was in uh, mouth is mouth. <laughs> In in the last, (laughs) so the whole thing is hilarious that in 1985 we just sort of glossed it over because we were stupid kids. But obviously, adults wrote this. Oh, for sure. And what should we call the pirate? Yeah, let's call him One-Eyed Willie. (laughs) (laughs) And start the movie with a really obvious sight gag about a penis. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It goes on in the first like five minutes. Yes, so I don't know. It's it's it is it is strange to think they sat around and thought this was a good idea. I guess I guess audiences are slightly more savvy these days, perhaps. But I, but I, I think I probably I think probably freshman sophomore in high school me probably made a one eyed Willie joke. I was like, why why is this pirate named One Eyed Willie? <laughs> Actually, born with one eye too. Didn't lose it. Has it like a has bone over the yeah. eye? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. That's this one-eyed Willie. <laughs> We're searching sp- for the treasure of one-eyed Willie. The <laughs> Spanish pirate William <laughs> Guillermo. One-eyed <laughs> Guillermo doesn't work. <laughs> no, that doesn't. That's that doesn't. That doesn't. That doesn't fly. The other. The other. Uh, the other thing that always bothers me in movies is when our protagonist like has a health issue that they just throw out the door at the end like oh no his asthma 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 is really just something in your mind if you if you grow courageous and strong and you grow as a person who needs it it? they do the same thing in the saint with uh with um elizabeth shoes heart medicine right remember yeah this woman's been on heart medicine for 30 30 some odd years and all of a sudden, I don't need my heart medicine anymore because I don't know. I'm in love. What? <laughs> Jesus! What? Like at the end, that was like the he's problem. Got, yeah, that was a problem. It's like he's like he's got the asthma thing. He's nervous. And then apparently, oh, you know what? Maybe it was just nervous asthma. Is there something called nervous? <laughs> Do people get nervous asthma? I don't know. Well, he. I mean, he's sucking on that thing like he needs it badly too. He uses it like twenty times in the movie. <laughs> Right, and then he's like, "Ah, forget it. I don't need it anymore. I'm something confident I, now." It's something I noticed. I was going to say for the third segment, "Well, let's might as well do it now since you brought it up." Is also his bed is equipped with a gas mask that's attached to the wall, so he has some side of some kind of insane rescue inhaler attached to the wall for some <laughs> sort of like you're going to die if you don't have oxygen and albuterol in high doses right now. Right. I mean, I've never seen that before. I, I, I was because I was running that scene back and forth a couple of times because the, the audio was a little muddy and I was trying to hear exactly what they were saying. And I noticed there's a gas mask coming. Out. <laughs> it's attached to the wall. It's like if you had a, a CPAP that just didn't have a machine. The machine was like on a control panel in the wall. Uh-huh. Insane. <laughs> um, going back to One-Eyed Willie too. Uh, we're not even going to try to make the legend feasible, plausible. There's no, no British Armada in the Pacific in 1630s. No, there absolutely isn't. There, no, I mean, John Cook doesn't even make it up there until like 1700. <laughs> they chased him. There were no pirates. 1639 pirates. Oh, so like, I looked this up because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't full of shit when I said that. And right. there was Fran- Francis Drake did circumnavigate the globe in like 1550. And he was British and he was a pirate. Okay. But he wasn't like working for the king and chasing any <laughs> other pirates. <laughs> Like where were they? Where are they stealing all this gold from? I who who knows? And then they, maybe they, maybe they stole it in the in the Caribbean, in the Caribbean. 
and Pirates of the Caribbean, and then went through the Panama Canal. Which didn't happen. <laughs> it's well, you could ford the Panamanian Isthmus because it was muddy. That's why they've been drug- that you, you could get a boat through there before they dug the canal. Yeah, you just had to like have horses get out and pull it and shit. <laughs> That's um, what happened. That's what happened. They they, uh, they sailed around Cape Horn. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's fine. Um, so his father is an assistant curator at the museum. Has an actual pirate treasure map just at his house. He'd bring his work home. Just. Hang it. Like, Nobody wants it. Not, not even hang it. It's behind another painting. And it's just, yeah. and it's got, it's, it's got dust, the map. so dusty, he needs Chunk to break the glass so it's he got can the, see it. It's got the map and the little talisman that right. tells you where the, tells you where the, uh, tells you where the dig is. Oh, we're going to get there in a second. <laughs> <laughs> fucking medallion. It's, it's somehow a doubloon, according to the Fratellis. Right. Even though it's gigantic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, so the kids have never been allowed to go in the attic? Ever? For years and years, at least don't don't go in Dad's attic. Right, he, there's they make a point of saying it. He go uh, he keeps his porn up there. You get up there, it's like a Spencer Gifts with the plasma <laughs> lights all plugged in, like right? they're plugged in and turned on, and like a suit of armor. And yeah, the, yes, it is Spencer. <laughs> He's running a Spencer's <laughs> Gifts affair. I, I like that Brand dismisses it. He poo poos it. I, that that lends a little credibility to this idea that well, people know about this. It's not yeah. like we're discovering Every, this. Yeah, everyone's tried to find it. Everybody who's lived in this town has tried. Yeah. But I couldn't get over the idea that, that, that Mikey's dad was like, hey, Bob, we're, I know we're rotating out the, the One-Eyed Willie exhibit. Uh, what are we going to do with that map? I don't know. You, you care if I take it home? <laughs> no, no, go ahead. <laughs> Just take it. It's fine. That's fine. It's, uh, I mean, he found it. He found it. He found it in the, he found it in the back room of the museum and thought, oh, I'll just take it and put it in my attic. Yeah. I'll just lift this. Just It'll hang be on to it. Maybe the gold <laughs> is real. Maybe I'll find it. So let's talk for a moment, and we're going to run a little long here because I have a That's few right. more things. Because <laughs> this is what I thought the show was going to mostly be about. I was actually surprised at how much I enjoyed watching it again. Um, the medallion outline has the lighthouse, which is feasible to have existed. I don't know what it dates to exactly. Uh, the rock. 1639. The, well, the, I, don't, I don't know enough about that actual lighthouse. Like, that actual <laughs> lighthouse exists. There's, it certainly wasn't built in 1639. There may have been I'd a, really, there may have been a version of that lighthouse in 1639. It's not, maybe that's, I, I, but that's not I, the problem. All right, the lighthouse, the rock, and the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, so obviously it was, it was a, it was a mine, at some point. But okay, but maybe, but how could the, but how could it have connected? I don't know how the whole thing connects, right? It's just you're, you're looking at it, you're thinking about it, and you're thinking, okay, so maybe when One-Eye Willie created this medallion so that you could find it, you had to match up the two rocks on the left and the entrance to the cave, like a, a cave sure. on the right. And then maybe, maybe, just maybe, they built a little shack of some kind that just over the course of... 350 years of Maybe. American history turned into a lighthouse slash restaurant slash No, so something. the restaurant is not the lighthouse, just to be crystal clear. Left to right, it is lighthouse out in the water. Rock oh, in the center. It's yeah, two no. rocks. It's two rocks. It's not. It's two it's rocks. Not. I promise it's not. I, like, I rewound this so many times. The lighthouse is the thing on the left. Well, that makes no sense then. No, it's out of the water. <laughs> it's on an island. It's on a rock. It's yeah. Basically, yeah, it's two rocks, but there, no. there just happens to be a lighthouse on it now. Fine. Okay, fine. Yes. So for 1632, yes, it's two rocks yes. and then whatever. But for a yes. long time, I thought that when they said lighthouse, I thought it was the, the smokestack on the restaurant. It was like, that obviously makes no sense. 
And hilariously, they do the shot, and then at no point does he actually get a clear look on the camera because Mouth's head is in the way. <laughs> like, you never actually see what it's lining up against. Like, they try to, like, hey, why don't you just put your head in front of that so we don't people don't say, wait a minute, the restaurant is the thing? <laughs> right. That's where the... Yes, that's where the entrance to the cave, the original correct cave entrance is that they yes. just happened to build something on <laughs> some <laughs> years later. The suspension of disbelief required there is that they read the map and there's somehow they have coordinates that they had to know because you have to know where to stand to line that up too, right? That's the only way that works. The the only the easy way to fix this is just not make One Eyed Willie's map date to 1632 or whatever. Yeah, yeah 16, it's wild. That's the that's the. That's the. I mean, it could have been if they made it 1780. It's you can believe it. Yeah. Yes. And named we're him much, Juan Guillermo. We're much <laughs> <laughs> Uno. <laughs> what would be? What would be one eyed Willie? Uno Ojo Guillermo. See. <laughs> 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 anyway, the uh, but yes, the the fact that the cave entrance has been built up over the years into this right, now buy, defunct restaurant is, is, uh, is, is funny to me. We needed it. All right. A uh, couple of, a couple of last few things. Why are there pipes in the supposedly secret cave? Obviously somebody's been down there. It's not, it's only in the, it's only in the early part of the cave. The Fair. cave doesn't get interesting until. Well, it's the pipe explosion that breaks down the wall that right. leads them to the second anteroom as it was. Right, were. but the utility people obviously would have seen that. But then they also come across the well. Right. And so between, the, the well is well after the pipes. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't, if you think about that part too long, it doesn't make any sense, especially right. the well. Um, it, it, they come upon the well after that part, they, after they, and they come upon the well after they find Chester Copperpot. Um, the well is depicted as being sort of, I don't. I guess you don't know. They know what it is, right? It's a. It's something yeah, familiar. It's to like a natural, and it's like a natural cavern of some kind. It's got some kind of spring in it. It's still functional, but also not where the bucket comes down. Like <laughs> they're able to stand on a dry spot directly below the hole in the well. Yes, that's not how it works. That well is useless. <laughs> they do call it a wishing well, so whatever. Again, maybe that. Maybe there used to be more water in there. I don't know. Perhaps. Um, the flip side of the coin of Corey's uh, heartfelt speech about the coin is that. The their time up there, our time down here is awful. Yeah, it's their time up there. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's real bad. Um, and then the last thing I have about the 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 cave is that Data falls down the booby trap shaft where there are spikes, right? Yes, but is saved uh-huh. by the pincers of power. Yes, which is, I mean, whatever about that. <laughs> like, let's just gonna go with that one, right? Like, those are some intense, chattering teeth. Like, what kind of yes. PSI those generate? <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot, with some crampons on the end of them. Uh-huh. Uh But in the next scene, sort of, everyone comes down that rope that they leave behind that the Fratelli's find. Yeah. Which, who knows who had the rope? Whatever. I'm not gonna pick that apart. But was falling down the shaft of. The, where the spikes are part of the intended plan. Like, if you were going to get the treasure, you had to bring a rope then. Because you had to go yes. down that hole. Right. Okay. You would have had to turn... Well, or he or he turned the... Or he turned... He turned the, the skeleton face the wrong way. Like, they, he says, oh yeah, I turned it counterclockwise. If he turned it the other way, it may have revealed the, the easy, re- the easy okay. mode. Okay, perhaps. Route. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. He sets off the trap. He sets off the, the booty trap. Right. All right. And lastly, at the end of the movie, 
Chunk just says he's adopting Sloth with no consultation with his parents. Sure, sure. Let's. <laughs> I'd be like, son, can you come here? We're not. But okay, I understand that you've had a very intense 24 hours. <laughs> this man cannot and come this, live and with this, us. And this man has helped you, and we really appreciate the fact that he really helped you, but he is not coming to live with us. Thank you. But that sets, up, sets us up well for a sequel, so let's go to segment number three. All right, so in segment three, we're going to talk about what we could do to make this movie better and perhaps where we could take it from here. Um, I think, like I said before, I think if you just can get tighten up the first 20 minutes, like the movie works a lot better if you can just get me bought into what's happening in, in just a less haphazard fashion. Um, I think the Fratelli stuff can all stay the same as far as the escape from the jail. I'm not going to you know, overanalyze that part, but the... The whole scene with the kids and the mom and Rosalita, it's just, it's very strange. It's, it's very unclear what's going on for like a while before those, the foreclosure douches show up. I'd, I would have blown up the foreclosure douche part. Like I definitely would have had a more, maybe the kids, for instance, here's my idea. So the kids come over, his friends all come over for a sleepover. Brand's there doing work. He's working out. He's got a date mm-hmm. with Andy later that night, right? He's got plans. Yeah. Um, the whole family finds out together that the final foreclosure is that weekend. Those, those dudes... They show up like douchebags and like, yeah, or, I saved this for you. Or even the dad comes home and just says, Fine. I have some news that they're foreclosing our land. I don't know how they've done it. I don't know how, I don't know how they foreclosed. Yeah, because actually, I mean, even the, the script, the timeline is all over the place in the sense that like, one person, Mount says it's our last, supposed to be our last weekend together. And then by the end of that night, they're saying tomorrow, this is the last night. But then she brings home groceries and haven't, hasn't started packing yet. <laughs> she has an unexplained arm injury where she's wearing a sling, the mom. Right, right. So I right. just need, I need more effort here from Chris and Steve <laughs> to give me just a little bit more standard fare for the first 25 minutes to set up the, the villainy and the protagonist so I can understand where we're going on the adventure. Yeah, because the, yes, because they, they do spend an enormous amount of time, like a, a good 10, 15 minutes of them just like bumbling around in Mikey's house. Yeah. I mean, it pays before off they, with the... Before they, even, before they even decide to go upstairs and, and root through dad's shit. Right. A lot of stuff happens before they find the map. And then there's, you know, then they are, are obviously, they're playing marbles and whatnot before they decide to tie Brand up with the, whatever those things yeah. are called. <laughs> I forget. The exerciser. The spring, spring stretcher. Exer- <laughs> yeah. So I'm not, I, yeah. That they could definitely, they could, we could, we could have got to the whole here are the friends thing much quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know. The, the truffle shuffle still makes me laugh. I don't know why he makes, <laughs> they're always just abusing. So terrible. Poor, you know, poor chunk. <laughs> you know, I read some, some commentary about he was saying that it was tough to shoot this movie when you're expected to be the fat kid. They want you eating in every take, and that's brutal. It's yeah. like, like the whipped cream thing. I think I did that 20 times. He's like, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Troy should have been played by James Spader. <laughs> like me. I, I could have used more Troy. You could have used more asshole Troy. Yeah. I do, I, do like the, I do like the fact he drives that like Mustang GT, which was like just a, sh- a hot shit car in 1985. I love his, his country club visor. Oh yeah, like a big padded one, like it's like four <laughs> inches tall. It's terrible. Um, that actually, that that's another thing where the, the other option for me was like just making a no parents movie where Troy is the bad guy. He represents the country club. He's, he's yeah, or he, he antagonizes just, Bran and teases Mikey. Right, right. You don't need yeah, exactly the the 
I don't know. Why do the country club guys wear like the same terrible overcoat? I don't know. It's like, did they call They're each other? They're out doing their real estate job. At that point. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, they wear yes, the same outfit. Yes, just to make, just to have him. He's already the son of the 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 guy who's doing the real estate development, so yeah. he he could just be the asshole, and it would be fine, and we could see more of him. Right. Well, it's really weird when those guys show up and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm Troy's dad," and we have no idea who Troy is. Like, why is that in the script? Right. I don't really yeah. need to know that. It never becomes relevant until the very end of the movie. Yeah. Should Troy be on the adventure with them? I think that there could be more there. So there was something that I wanted to talk about. Like, I know that I agree with you that I like to pivot into a, a straight sort of action comedy when the Fratellis are pursuing them. But one of the things that always bothers me is, like, how they get through the piano room, for instance. I'm not it's, – it's really – the booby traps don't make a lot of sense to me if you're able to follow through. I, I, no. The, the booby traps – I mean, again, the engineering that goes into the booby traps <laughs> is amazing. But I think maybe there's an option where Ma Fratelli takes Chunk and, like, he – maybe one of them, like, maybe – I don't know how long they've been using that hideout. So maybe then one of them has knowledge of that tunnel and they kind of know they can go cut it off somewhere. I don't know. And then maybe Troy gets involved in that part. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, again, I'm trying to come up with other ways to, to improve our, our existing product. Right. But I, I agree with you. I agree with the uh, the thought that we should just axe the all the, the – uh, the adults completely and just make this like a kid's movie. Like it's Troy who drives by and says, it'll be great when you dirt bags are out of here. And my dad paves this whole thing, you know, yeah. Bulldozers, all your houses. It'll be awesome. Yeah. And maybe we do get the one scene where the parent, the dad comes home and says, or maybe Troy comes by, says all that. And they're like, what are you talking about? And then the dad comes home, delivers the bad news. And that sort of kicks right. off the, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I think the most important thing is a tighter 20 minutes to start the movie. It's all <laughs> over the place. Um, but I do know that I want to note that the Fratellis have been in this hideout long enough to chain slot to the wall multiple times because yeah. Ma Fratelli makes reference to the fact that if he's broken those chains again and she says it two or three times. So they've been there a while. Like, yeah. Like the police didn't know they were hanging, hiding out there. It's a summer place. Really? <laughs> and it's fall, apparently. Yeah. Um, all right. So did you – I know you wanted to talk about potential like sequel ideas. And, and I actually – mine was based around the idea that Chunk did go live with – or sorry, Sloth did go live with Chunk. <laughs> that happens? Yeah. So in the sequel, that's where we start. Okay, Chunk so, and Sloth's bachelor so, pad because they've so never what? been able to get married. <laughs> So where are we? So so where's what? Where's your sequel set? Like what what year is your sequel set? Um, more like or today, less, like twenty twenty. Maybe I think actually I think late nineties might be better. Like if they're say old enough that they should be have started their lives. So if they're what are they in the movie like fifth or sixth grade sixth graders? Yeah, so roughly well, they're 10. twelve. They're twelve. They're so 12? maybe yeah, maybe let's say they're twelve. Okay, so if they're twelve in the movie. Um, I want them to be about 35, I think. Um, okay. and then just, so, and, and I think my sequel idea is pr- pretty much take the original cast, give me the adults, um, and just give me like their, their, wherever they are in life now. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the adventure involves them and probably their children also. And so you have Slunk and Chuck. I keep saying Slunk and Chop. <laughs> Sloth and Chunk live together. Uh, <laughs> like in, like they keep never, they, they're failure to launch guys, right? It's, yeah. Um, I feel so bad for Chunk now. <laughs> uh, Mikey, like, probably still living in his parents' house, but now it's run down and shitty because uh-huh. it's still Astoria, and it's you know it's late nineties. I don't know if it's how it's, how, how popping it was. Um, I think it was probably in its close to in its heyday when they're filming this. 
the yeah. premiere shortly afterwards. Uh, and then, you know, we get the kids. They have kids. Um, I think maybe it's the same basic plot that now somebody's come back to redevelop it again because the town is run down and they need to... Maybe it's condo, beachfront condos or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It doesn't have to be a country club. Could be what, a kind of of what, what, what kind of adventure could they get into in Astoria again? I was really concerned mostly with the interpersonal workings. I didn't get as far as what adventure they like, would... This, this is the whole problem with my... my trying to squeeze a sequel idea out of this it's like if you set it in astoria again there can't be anything else on that kind of scale that would that would that would take you toward a sequel because if people are going to go see another goonies movie right it's got to have like big set pieces it has to have some of that like national treasure kind of (laughs) but you know that that kind of you know, there has to be some history. They have to. They have to. They're chasing some history. They're doing some other stuff. So I couldn't figure out how to do that in in Astoria again. What about a secret Native American treasure? This they have to go th- into the mountains. Maybe, maybe. And so my my uh, my sequel idea was that Mikey writes a really successful book about the 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 chase for one eyed the treasure of one eyed Willie, mm. and he makes a bunch of money from it. Okay. And then, and then he comes back to town twenty years later, as a you know as a young thirties guy, and like his friends are still there, like uh, you know, Data's relatively successful working as an engineer, doing whatever he's doing, working for. But, uh, and then and then <laughs> Chunk and Mouth are sort of just like towny guys, but Mikey made a bunch of money from it, and of course, they didn't. Okay. And so they're a little bit pissed at Mikey. I actually like if we combine our ideas here. Yeah. So, yeah, like Mouth being a townie. Again, Chunk and Sloth live together. <laughs> it's really important to me in my sequel is they live together. Because it's how the movie ends. This is not negotiable. This is <laughs> no, non-negotiable. they have to live together because right, I want I'm him to fine. have sort of, like, worked, with, worked really hard with Sloth to, like, make him a functional person. Right. Like, I want mm-hmm. that payoff. Right. Um, I love this idea of Mouth is just a gross townie. Like, he's just a sleazeball. Well, I mean, perfect for Corey Feldman anyway. Data's out of touch with him, but he's a failed inventor. He's a failed? Yeah. Well, his dad couldn't make the camera thing work, right? Well, I mean, maybe he... I'd, I'd like to think that he's perhaps slightly more... Like, slightly more Fine. successful. I just think it's better if they're all sort of struggling if Mikey's going to come back with money. I yeah. think the dynamics work better if if he if that if you want to create that tension. But like yeah, but they're all pissed because they're all in this book and he made a bunch of money off of it. Yeah. And then and then they have to find then it's then yeah, then you have to go for maybe the Native American treasure as opposed to as opposed to uh and he just and he just does it. He just like he he Mikey comes back to town with the idea that he's 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 stumbled across something. Oh, see, I like the idea. I actually prefer it if they have actually spent the, their lives in a story trying to recreate the magic, and he poo-poos it, and they have to get him on board, and it's his resources that enable them to actually find it. Huh. Once, once they bring him around, because he's a total prick right off the bat. No, I think... Like, well, I, know, I like the idea that he was the... He was the, the just the, uh, the dreamer, if you will, right, in the first uh-huh. movie, and now he's like totally grounded, totally serious, and like almost like a hook. Yeah, he's got a lot of money. Yeah, so he's the, he's the Peter Pan here, right? Where so, he's, he no so longer s- wants to hear about your fantasy. So somebody like so like somebody like Mouth discovers something. Yes. And he's like and then they then he keep he gets buy in from the other boys. Right. 
And then and then they, they go for Mike, and Mike is like, no way, I'm not doing it. Right. And meanwhile, Mouth's entire life up to this point has just been one scheme after another, trying to get rich quick. So right. it's just one more of his bullshit things that, that yeah. nobody wants to hear about. And then and then at some point they just something something clicks and then Mikey gets gets bought in. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that something is, but I, I like this. His mom passes away, he has to come back. There you go. Yeah. So let's work up a treatment, send it over to Steve. <laughs> see what he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like those guys are game for doing something. They've it does. done like they've done they've done some uh I saw you know they they did uh Josh Gad's show. Yes. And they were, they seem game to do something together. Speaking of and I was going to I had this in my good and I and I blew right by it is Carrie Green uh, as Andy really good in this movie and has no career at all. No. Which I don't really understand. I don't know maybe she said maybe it wasn't for her. I guess maybe not. It was just uh, maybe it just uh, just got cast as a you know attractive teenage girl and, and then went to college and got a life. Decided not to be a Hollywood kid, which isn't a terrible idea. Let's be honest. Probably yeah. Probably <laughs> most of those kids who grow up in Hollywood don't don't turn out so good. All right. Well, thanks for being up to break down Goonies with me. This was fun. More fun uh, than know, I expected. I tell you, I like the movie. I, I watched it actually today. And was and was jotting down some notes, and I really enjoy it. I mean, again, nostalgia is a powerful drug. Yeah, it's a uh, and I and I enjoyed it. I don't. I mean, it's one of those things where if my kids would hate this movie, really? Oh yeah, they would. My they'd kids like, kind of like it. They'd be like, "This movie's this movie looks stupid." You know, this is production value. My kids, my kids just can't deal with low production value. If it looks old. If it looks old, they're just like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> This is terrible. I made my daughter one time, like maybe, maybe when she's around ten or ten years old, I made her watch one of those old Sinbad movies, like the Seven Voyages of Sinbad, the ones that they made in like the late fifty or like the early sixties, the ones with the Ray Harryhausen like stop motion <laughs> skeletons and shit. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's I can't, I couldn't watch that in thirty years ago. Those are great. Those uh, are great movies. Um, anyway, she was like, "What in the hell?" <laughs> I'm like, "All oh, right, yeah, you grew up with like you know watching like the first Jurassic Park movie on, which is like the the greatest special effects movie ever made." See, I'm I'm just I just pepper in my nostalgia and media into their life without like I don't flood them with it. I just peppered it. Like, for, for instance, tonight, uh, the bedtime song I played for my younger daughter was Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. It's <laughs> a good bedtime song. That's a great bedtime Keep song. Keep the volume low. Yeah. <laughs> she dug it. I was like, what do you think about this? About halfway through, she's like, I like this. It's like, yeah, like that's it. right. And then she good. actually asked me, how come every song I play is sung by a boy? And oh. I was like, oh. Well. I, I mean, that's not on purpose. <laughs> and I really, I thought about it for a moment. I was like, I think it's because I like to sing along, and it's harder to sing female vocals. So it makes yeah. it more difficult. True enough. Now just now play her master of puppets in its entirety, <laughs> like at, at like twelve at the, like the at the highest volume your your whatever stereo will go. One hundred percent. That's happening. <laughs> I got so much loud music to play for them as as they hit ten, eleven, twelve. Yes, my kids love it. Uh, and last thing I want to say about the movie, only because I can't believe we didn't bring it up. Troy tries to murder Brand. Yes. Ye- with the car. Yes. With, like, by pulling. Him. Yeah. Okay, first, unrealistic that you couldn't break the grip, especially because they just showed us, they showed you working out. That's all you do. Yeah. You can't break the guy's grip, and he's got no leverage in that position. No. But he drags you off a cliff. Right. 
And it might be it might be easier for Brand to actually run than to ride that mini bicycle with the training wheels on it. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing's ridiculous. Anyway. All right. Well, uh, that's it for our Goonies review, so you know what that means. Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready! Dad jokes of the week! Woo! Alrighty, let's get into it. I'm not a dad, but I do tell dad jokes. I'm a faux pas. <laughs> I'm excited to take my wife to this mu- new musical about puns. It's basically a play on words. So we got two metas to start there. Mm-hmm. Did I ever tell you about the guy milking a cow? A fly flew into the cow's ear, and a few seconds later, he milked out the fly. But you know what they say? In one ear, and out, out the, the other. other. Uh, that biologically does not make sense. That's correct. <laughs> I was taking a... Uh, sorry, this is the wrong one. Uh, what do you get when you cross a kangaroo and an elephant? Great big holes all over Australia. That's stupid. Did you hear the joke about the mosquito? It's it malarious. <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> well, that too. It's malarious. I was taking a communist class or communism class, but I dropped out because of lousy marks. Lousy <laughs> and this one's marks. a little phonetic. It might not make sense when I read it, but stay with it for a second. Justice is a dish best served cold. If it were served warm, it would be just water. <laughs> just ice. There you go. That's it for me. That is great. Those are terrible. All those <laughs> jokes are awful. I'm going to jump in with additional awful jokes. All right. But because we haven't talked about the coronavirus yet. Coronavirus! I, <laughs> <laughs> I found a list of, air quote, funny coronavirus pickup lines. Mm-hmm. So, if you're single... And you're trying to pick up girls in the time of coronavirus. You can either use Josh's neckline <laughs> to try to get the, to try to get girls to kiss you, or you could try some of these. Is that pneumonia in my lungs, or has your smile just left me breathless? Wow. <laughs> you smell so good. Is that Purell you're wearing? Uh, oh, here's a good one. Are you an N95 mask? Because I want you on my face. Oh my. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, <laughs> baby! I you call f- your crotch N95. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's that's the proper that's the proper pickup line. Yo, you met my girl. I call her crotch N95. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a pickup line, but whatever. Uh, right. You can't <clears throat> you can't spell virus without you and I. That's true, though. That's true. You can't. You can get it, too. <laughs> if COVID-19 doesn't take you out, can I? Oh, my God. What? Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Questionable. Uh, let's it? see. Um, let's see. Oh, here. Okay, I'll end with this one. Do you need toilet paper? Because I'll be your Prince Charmin. Okay. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you're going to wipe somebody's ass for me. <laughs> uh, all right. There's plenty more where these that came from, but that's enough for tonight. For God's Don't sake. wipe, because that's how I like my N95. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, 
Oh, we became the Deezus and Miro show there for a minute. Oh, man. That's funny. All right. Let's go to the overtime. Overtime. All right. The last few minutes tonight, uh, I want to talk, I guess. So if you're familiar with the shenanigans of our president, you may be familiar with uh, Goya Foods. Uh, the CEO of Goya Foods has some nice things to say about uh, that man. And uh, people reacted poorly to it. And, of course, there was then the, the backlash to the backlash. And I thought it was interesting to see people going out and, you know, buying up something to show support. Um, to me, that, that just is weird. Like, it's one thing to stop buying something and say, you know what? I don't like what you did. I'm not going to give your company any more money. I don't want to support what you're doing. And so that's the way I'm going to express my opinion. Now, while I'm all for the expression, uh, the, the counter expression, if that's what you want to do, it seems crazy to me that you would take your own money and, and buy products to show support it's very it it, it, it is it, it is the to me the epitome of um God, what is the word that uh, uh virtual signal virtue virtue signaling as they often like to say that you're not actually you don't care about these these causes you're just doing this to um to, to show people that you're woke or what have you it's almost like the, the the reverse of that it's actual virtue signaling to go spend money and show everyone on the internet that you spent a bunch of money on this it's it's a virtue signal either way. This is what I this is this is my this is my take on it. First of all, the Goya the Goya CEO was invited to was invited to whatever the event was, and he went. And he even said he's like, you know what? You get invited by the president, you show up. And so, and I'm sure the obviously they wanted to portray support for the for the Hispanic community, which. Again, what administration doesn't do that? Sure, but but I don't think they. I don't think Goya deserved the initial backlash for just standing up and saying thank you for having us out here. It was more the we're grateful for your strong leadership when you know 137 odd thousand people are dead. Okay, I mean, it's. I'm just telling I don't you. Know. Just, I'm telling I don't, you what, I don't where, the, where the motivation is coming from. And again, that's fine. And a, and a, and if you want to, and if and cancel culture. In and of itself is shitty. I, what is cancel culture? Who's been canceled? <laughs> Who? I know that there's plenty of people. Not there's really. Pe- sure, there are. There, there are many. There are many. There are many examples of people who's who have run up against, you know, who've run afoul against, like in academia. And I mean, the, the the Barry Weiss thing that just went on. She did that to herself the other day. She, she was, she was in a hostile environment that was was looking to cancel her. I've I mean, the, but it happens both ways. But what I'm saying is that that the Goya thing. I mean, we we show support for for people all the time. Like there are there are. I could choose to eat at a number of restaurants in the area, but I like to eat the ones here in town, the ones that are close to me, the ones that are local. I show support for my local business. I mean. In in it doesn't surprise me that you would see one group attack, you know, one group attack like say a business, and then the other group saying you shouldn't attack that business. We're going to buy products from them. It happens. It happens. You know, Democrats and Republicans both do the same thing. Republicans attack something, Democrats support it. They use they use their dollars. They use their they use their their business. I mean, it happens both ways. I don't I don't see this as any different than that. I think it's weird to go spend your money on something specifically because of you think it sends a political message in, in, a, in a 
in a consumerist way. And what I'm what I'm getting at is what's the natural evolution of that? Do we have separate grocery stores where like well, unfortunately, you're, we're probably headed that way because it just it just seems like you have the. <laughs> I mean, I think about Irish whiskey, right? It's like. Don't the Protestants drink Bushmills and the, and, the, and the Catholics drink Jameson? I mean, really, honest to God, it works that way. Sure. The we're headed that way, and it's it's goofy, it's dumb, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but but you'll see it all the time because what happens is the the CEO of Jimmy John's goes out and shoots an elephant and then posts it. To, you know, the the founder of Jimmy John's, even though all the Jimmy John's are franchised or whatever. Right. Like he does a, like the founder of Jimmy John's shoots an elephant and poses next to it. Like, and then all of a sudden people don't want to eat Jimmy John's. I mean, it, it happens all the time. I mean, and maybe if you like to shoot elephants, you'll go eat Jimmy John's. But, but this is, this is, this is where politicizing every aspect of our lives is getting onerous it's just getting it's just getting stupid well i mean let's be clear though like in the last few months trump has decided to lean hard into the anti-blm anti-explicit racist language like to me that's where the 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 change has that's why you're seeing a much stronger reaction to um the goya thing than you might have seen even a year and a half ago because trump himself has made it clear that he's not interested in basically human rights in general like i just as as a person he could really give a fuck about human rights in general. And I think that's why you're seeing this much stronger reaction. So I, I get what you're saying as far as like this happens and it happens in both directions. I just, the thing I don't comprehend is this idea of, no, I really like not having to give a fuck about anybody and I'm going to show that to other people by buying something and then displaying it on the internet. That's a weird thing to me. I can't get with that. And it's uh, it's just the politic it's the politicization of everything. And but everything listen, is political. Life is political. Well, Things could between, be better. But well, they're but not. between now and between now and the the election, everything everyone says is going to have a political connotation to it, and it doesn't make for for people who aren't particularly political or want to be moderately, you know, want to have sort of moderate, balanced ideas like say me like it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to have conversations with people because nobody seems to want to have a conversation anymore about certain things they would rather just say well you're wrong and i can't believe you'd say that and i'd be like i don't know what we're, i thought we were just having a conversation so i feel like this is all dangerous ground now and and to to, to be able to say oh i agree with this on the left and then that on the right like it's it's not a safe place. It's not a safe conversation to have anymore, and that's well, too bad. I, I'm not going to get into who made it that way because I don't want to have that discussion. That, this is this is this is right here. That this is the conversation. This is it. This no, is it. What I'm this saying is, is we're at a point now where government is no longer about politics in general. Bipartisanship and government in general, governance is about the way in which you're able to do the most good for the most people. That is ostensibly the purpose of government. How can we accomplish the most good for the most number of citizens? And the debate is supposed to be about which way we do that. Yes. It does and, seem and, to me that the president in particular says, I don't give a fuck about anybody that doesn't support me. Therefore, I'm not even interested in that conversation at all. I don't want to help anyone. It's not like, for instance, when Obama said we're going to do um, Obamacare that oh, but if you're a Republican, you can't have it. Whereas, like, Trump 100% would pass a law that said that if you were a registered Democrat, you weren't allowed to have access to something. Like, that is a thing he would do. 
He's made it very clear that he would do those things. It so wouldn't. I get what it wouldn't. It wouldn't fly, though. I mean, the government. The government wouldn't. I mean, the process of government wouldn't allow a policy like that to exist. A lot of shit has happened in the last four years that I don't think I thought was possible. So yeah, my well, point I mean, is, that I think the reason that it's one of the, the absolutely the reason it's gotten so toxic is because we're at a point for anyone that's not supportive of. Or, to me, if you care about human rights, you don't. You cannot be supportive of this president. And, See, and this is this is the pick aside. This is the. But that's not a the, He's made it very clear that that's his position. You can't. But but if if someone has if someone has conservative leanings, and I'm going to just say it, I do. That it's very difficult to say, hey, I believe in this. That is slightly, you know, which is a conservative idea. Then get your can get your party to run a candidate that isn't a. Fucking Why, see, this is it. This is this is the conversation. Get my party to run a. You know, I tell you what, you know how many I I have voted I've voted for democratic candidates a lot in my life. And the fact of the matter is, I'll continue to vote on issues, but I do have I do have ideas that are conservative and the whole pick a side or you're a shitbag it doesn't fly with me. I just can't I I just See, I don't I, have not I don't said like that. it. You keep saying this is the conversation. I in no way have not have said that. What I what <laughs> my point is that until we move on from what we're experiencing right now, I don't think you can have the reasonable conversation that you're looking for. Well, then that's and that's too bad then. I mean, so I mean, that's why I'm saying it's just not a safe it's not a it's not safe to have conversations like this, especially on a podcast with my friend who I'd like to keep because I don't I don't feel like I don't feel for us that that's a safe spot for us. I just, I mean, I don't think that, what I, if, if to me, with the way the president behaves, if your values are American, I don't believe it's possible to support him. If you disagree, then I guess I'll shrug my shoulders and we can move on. I didn't say I was going to vote for Trump. I didn't, but say, you, I'm saying, I didn't say you said you were. But my point yeah. is that if you're pushing back against my point, which is very clearly saying that I can't support this man in any capacity, he's, he has made it crystal clear what his positions are. And the party also has lined up behind him. And whether or not that is for reasons that we don't get to hear about, see, or talk about, it is no longer about the debate about whether or not government government is going to achieve the most good for the most people. It is, we're going to do what we want, and we don't care what happens to these other people because it doesn't matter to us. That has been clearly the message for at least the last two years. And to me, I don't. That's just, that's that, that part of it is very black and white. So I understand why it's not a safe place to have the conversation. I think you can say, hey, I don't think socialism is the solution to the problems that we have. I think that's a reasonable place. And you're going to get a lot of pushback from a lot of people on that right now. Yeah. But I, I'm not one of them. Um, I have a lot of ambivalence about all kinds of things with regard to the way to get things done. But I am only interested at this point in trying to get to back to a point where we can actually have a productive debate about the way to get things done. But I need to see good faith from all parties. And I, hey, I'm i not like some big Chuck Schumer fan. I hated the story that I saw the other day that he spent $20 million to like spike progressive candidates down down ballot to make sure that his power wasn't threatened. Like that, that's super fucked up. I, I'm tired of the money in politics. I'm tired of banks controlling and corporations controlling the country and the government just being puppets for, you know, money making and, and really not a lot else um, as far as corporations are concerned. So I, I want change in that way and how we get there I don't know yet, but what I do know is it includes not reelecting this president to continue to lead this party in this way right now. Fair enough. Well, that's our show. <laughs> our thanks to all of you. I thought we were going to have a fun conversation about stupid <laughs> partisan supermarkets. 
Instead, we did 10 minutes on politics after like 45 minutes of so much fun with Goonies. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's, you know, lazy. It. It's, it's the world we live in. Yeah. Well, our thanks to all of you for listening. Or we hope you're staying safe, staying healthy, and avoiding any bullying from your so-called friends. Which, by the way, was a chunk joke earlier, but now I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we ended up yeah, on that, to be honest. If, if you don't already, please subscribe and a review via your favorite podcast provider. And don't be shy about sharing your thoughts and suggestions for the show. We'll be back next week with more pop culture, life strategies, and existentialism. And until then, peace. Peace.